News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. It's hard to stay on top of it all. That's why ADP is here to guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise to help you navigate these complex times so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of changes in legislation. When you rely on us for payroll and HR, you're trusting us to help you take care of your people. It's what we've been doing for over 70 years, and that's not about to change. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll, informed by data and designed for people. The entrepreneurial spirit is resilient, and U.S. Bank is here to make sure that no matter what unknown pops up, business owners know that we have their back. Because problem solvers are the ones that keep us all moving forward by finding ways to close gaps, even when distances are being kept everywhere. So whatever you need to adapt and evolve your business, U.S. Bank is here to support you. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender member FDIC. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Today's episode features Jeff Miller. Jeff is a business coach, consultant, strategist, and community leader. He's served on numerous boards, been recognized as the Citizen of the Year, and is in his 17th year in business. During my conversation with Jeff, we chat about how to strategically build your business from hiring, goal setting, team building, and community involvement. That said, the element of boost that we will cover is optimize relationships, obtain more leads, and tap into new markets. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Boost Podcast. Hey, Kelly, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. If you could see me through the line, you would see that I'm I'm just beaming, a grinning from ear to ear because I'm so excited for our conversation because it's just connecting with an old friend. So, um, and on, on and on the on that note, I have to ask you the question because I learned a fun fact about you just when I thought I knew all things Jeff Miller. I learned this fun uh-huh. fact <laughs> about you that you spent five years running a chicken farm and raising raised over a million chickens. So I got to ask, how is how is raising chickens similar to coaching people? <laughs> um, well, it's, it's not similar to coaching people because people are much smarter. Uh, after spending five years raising chickens, I can tell you that they, with all due respect to any pizza folks out there, they are not the brightest uh, animal clucking around. Um, having said, you know, having said that, so what, what was cool about it is a couple of things. Um, as you know, I grew up in family-owned business, so uh, my dad was a retailer in Manhattan. So I've always been involved in sales and business, but this was my first introduction into mid-sized business because it really was running a mid-sized business. And because I was doing it on my own, I did I get volunteers in when it was time to ship the birds out at the end. It would be a six to eight week growth cycle. But because basically for the most part I was doing this by myself, um, you had to develop systems and procedures and checklists and you know how you're gonna how you're gonna go about managing something like that. So it was just a fad, it was a fantastic experience. Um, I learned how to work on my own. Um, I were, learned how to delegate to other people when I had folks come in to, to do the shipping out. 
Um, yeah, and I always, you know, Betsy used to have me undress outside of the apartment because <laughs> she wasn't having me traipsing in with my boots and work clothes and all of that stuff associated with chickens. Wow. And, you know, the timing of this conversation is so interesting because I literally just was in a texting conversation with our son, Gabriel, and we were talking about, I, you know, he was talking about just, do you have any ways for me to make some extra money? I'm coming home this weekend. And so I text him back. And it, at first I was, I, I said, you know, we have some yard work. And of course he's like, I don't want to do yard work. And so then I had to text him back. And I was, at first I wrote all work is honorable, but then I had to go back and I was like, all legal work is honorable. Honorable. So, <laughs> so, but I love the fact that through that that um, that opportunity in raising chickens of all things, it's really it sounds like it's helped you sort of lay the foundation for a lot of the work and the way that you're supporting clients currently. So, with that being said, I would love to learn more and for the Boost Podcast community to just learn more about some of the work that you do and 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 especially with us the year end quickly approaching. I would love to just really chat around this topic of goal setting, team building, and community involvement. So let's tackle each one of those, I guess, from a goal setting perspective. Like what are some of the things that folks should be thinking about with year end or the new year quickly approaching? Um, yes, great, great question. So fourth quarter thinking for a business owner should revolve around just checking in. Did you, did you, you know, are you on, have you accomplished the goals that you set for yourself? Doing a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of if so great and if not, where did things fall short? You know, not hitting a goal is not the problem. The problem is when you don't have a goal. Mm. Uh, so goal review is, is one thing. Reviewing certainly the numbers of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, making sure that when, when the fourth quarter is done, as soon as you can, you've got a year-end T&L mm-hmm. uh, that you can review and balance sheet. Uh, doing some cash flow projection is, is critical. And then, particularly in November, December, with the holidays and the way scheduling starts, it's a great time to begin to really strategically think about 2020. Where do you want to be? What do you accomplish? What do you want to accomplish? But from a higher end strategic level and then breaking that down into goals for the next 12 months and then breaking that down for the first 90 days of, of Q1, uh, you know, Q1 2020. And I think if you just do those things, uh, that, you know, it puts you far ahead of the game. I think you should be doing year-end reviews or sit-downs with your people. Mm-hmm. don't particularly like reviews uh, around your year-end if that's the only time you're doing it, but you should certainly have sit-downs. And you should take a couple of minutes back and pat yourself on the back for making it through another year as a business owner or yeah. an executive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love the, um, you know, the whole, the fact that you said, I don't necessarily believe that you should wait until year end to have the reviews. And I, I think more and more organizations are recognizing how important timely feedback is, but we get into the busyness of business and, and that results sometime in us waiting until the last minute. And it's like, ah, oh, and it becomes an afterthought as opposed to us proactively providing that feedback to our teams. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 as you know, Kelly, I'm in my 17th year. I've got a tremendous amount of experience working with all sizes of companies, all types of industries, um, size as far as revenues and number of employees. And more and more uh, what I'm seeing, if there's one common cost 
to production and efficiency in the workplace, it's drama. Mm. People are under a lot of a lot of pressure. Uh, we play different roles, and you, you just see it playing out all you know a lot a lot of times. And the way I'm working with that with with my clients and with anyone else who listen to me is you've got to coach that stuff in the moment. Mm. You can't let you can't let drama build. And you know, waiting ninety days or six months or a year to do a review with somebody. That's a lot of inefficiency and frustration that can build up on on all ends. And there are very specific ways and tools to manage that. So I think that's something, uh, you know, that you should be taking stock of as well as you come to the the end of the year is, how was the year as far as the team and drama? And you know, how, how can we manage that better moving forward? Yeah, and you bring up a really important point because not only is it inefficient to allow that you know ninety or whatever that time period is to not really arrest dr- drama as it's taking place or address it as it's taking place, but I think it's also unfair to the individual, right? Like if you recognize yeah. and see a certain behavior that. Um, particularly if it's something that continuously rears its ugly head and you just don't address it as quickly as you possibly can, then that's when people start thinking, oh, well, no one no one said anything to me the other 12 times that I did that. Now, while all of a sudden, is it an issue? And so you really set yourself up, and unfortunately, you set the other person up for, for failure, potentially. Yeah, we, just given the pressure and, and the reality of the the times that we live in, you know, sometimes we knowingly or otherwise self-sabotage mm. or sabotage others mm-hmm. and not with malintent, just because of the pace of the days and the pressures and um, anything you can do to address that. I always tell my clients and, and not just my clients, but, um, you know, whether they're the business owners or executives, because I do executive coaching or the nonprofits I work with, it's really important how you view yourself because so many times, particularly in the small business world, um, people view them, owners will view themselves as being self-employed as a, you know, as opposed to a business owner or an entrepreneur or a leader. Mm -hmm. And I really think, and this ties into the community aspect of what I, you know, of what you you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that as business owners, we have an obligation to view ourselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. And if you view yourself as a leader, and this is true if you're an executive as well, then your first priority really, one of your first priorities is to mentor your people, mm-hmm. not manage them, but lead and mentor them. Yeah, and that means giving them the feedback on a on a regular basis, and that's you know internally and then externally as as leaders, what are we doing to impact on our community? Yeah, what boards are you sitting on? What causes you're involved in? How are you engaging your team in corporate give back and I think all of those things play in. So, you know what, let's talk about that. Initially, I was like, oh, we're talking about employee and workforce, so let's talk about team building. But but because you mentioned um, community involvement, let's skip um, or we'll circle back to team building in a moment. But let's let's um, really hone in on this topic of community involvement from a business perspective. What practically speaking, what does that look like in your opinion? Well, as as you know, I was uh, a couple of years back. I was a corporate. I was the chair of the corporate volunteer council of Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. And what we did was, and we're now merged into Leadership Montgomery as one of their programs. But really, what the CVC was about was facilitating and putting together nonprofits and 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 the local businesses. Mm-hmm. What we need to understand is that what we do 
impacts all of us. We don't live in silos. Right. Um, and anything we can do to bridge that is critical. So with the Corporate Volunteer Council, um, you know, when I would go out and speak with businesses about what, you know, what they're doing, you can, there's a, there's a very, first of all, there's a very strong business case to be made for it because mm-hmm. it's about branding. It's about building better community. Uh, it's also about retaining the workforce, particularly millennials. And I think they're great. I know there are a lot of people who beat up on them. I, I think they're great. Um, addition to the workforce and they're going to be great. They are and will continue to be great leaders. They want to feel like they belong to something that's bigger than just the widgets that are being produced or the service that's being provided. Yeah. And they're looking for those kinds of opportunities. So if the greatest, if one of the greatest churns that a business faces is employee retention, then anything you can do as a business to retain your talent is part of the business case for why you should be involved in the community. But I also think it's, as I said, larger than that. This is where we live, work, and play. This is where we send our children to school. Uh, This is where we make sure people do or don't have enough food to eat. Mm-hmm. And we do have responsibilities as leaders to understand what that means and how that's reflected in the businesses that we own and run and work for. Yeah, and you make a great point because I think, um, you know, when you think about the fact that the mission or vision of a particular business may be not as missional as what a nonprofit or some other um, organization in the community um, where a business could support. And so it's a great way to perhaps um, fill the gap where maybe a millennial or other person for that matter just feels like, okay, I make widgets for a living. Well, yeah, it's I make widgets for a living, but the organization that I work for does a ton in the community. And this is how kind of this is our missional um, purpose or our ministry purpose, if you will, for a lack of better description, in how we are having yeah. impact. And so it's really anchoring that um, individual who perhaps feels a gap in the work that they do and the impact that it could potentially have to the local community. So I love that as a supplemental. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, you know, it also helps to bring definition and clarity to an organization to understand what it is they're really about. What is it that they're really, what is it they're really providing to their customer? Mm-hmm. You know, real, realtors aren't selling houses, they're selling dreams. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a classic example and that's a challenge sometimes when you ask folks, you know, so what is it that you really do? Yeah. Uh, to real, You know, sometimes it's, there's not always clarity around it. The easy answer is to say, well, whatever it is, I'm a business coach mm-hmm. or, you know, what, whatever that is, I'm an attorney. Uh, but I, I think the answer is always deeper. And when you understand that, that's when you begin to humanize the institution, if you will. And once you humanize it, people are much more apt to be attracted to it. So what are some ways that you've seen organizations identify? Like, you know, it might be really easy for me. Let's say I am a real estate company. Like for me, as I'm trying to figure out, oh, well, what nonprofit can we support? Oh, okay, Habitat for Humanity, because there's connectedness between sort of the work that we do and the organization that we support. But I'm assuming that probably, yeah, from a strategical or trend strategical, is that a word? Strategic. It is now. <laughs> Strategery. Do you remember that way back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <they> do. <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, but like from a strategic perspective, it's really easy to say, okay, that makes sense. But like, what are some of the other things that organizations or if they're leaders that are listening to this, this podcast and they're trying to figure out, okay, but you know, how do we go about figuring out what organizations that we should support? I know you are, have your hands in so many different, um, nonprofits and just community organizations. Like, how do you go through that process? What do you emotionally or psychologically go through to figure out what's the best use of your time or spend of your dollar, things like that? Uh, yes. Again, great, great question. Um, number one, I think understand what's important to you. You know, people have personal causes or personal connection, you know, whether it's because of an illness to somebody who is close to you, uh, you know, whether it's wanting to get involved with hunger relief and working through uh, an organization like Man of Food, whatever. So that, that's one part of it. But I think the other part of it is to do it is to strategically, that's the word, right? <laughs> yes. Um, it's to strategically say, well, how does this fit in with who we are as an organization? And have those discussions internally, whether that's through team meetings, whether that's through surveys, whether that's bring, you know going out and reaching out to the corporate volunteer council through Leadership Montgomery and having them come in and sit down with you and, and help you figure that out. I think it shouldn't be done in a vacuum. Mm. Uh, and I think it needs to be consistent and you need to involve the team. You know, I've got clients and certainly my clients aren't the only ones who do this. In, in, you know, there are literally tens of thousands of people that do this a year that spend a couple of hours uh, packing boxes at Mana Food. Mm, nice. I've got clients that you know that sponsor toy toy uh, drives around the holidays. So just know what it is to you as an organization, and understand how it strategically plays into what you're trying, who you are, and what you're trying to accomplish. Because I think one of the you know one of the, the mistakes that we make sometimes is we make decisions for our businesses as if one decision is not connected to another one. Mm-hmm. And going back to your first question, that's why strategic planning and thinking is so important mm-hmm. so that you're doing it in, con- in connectivity mm-hmm. with other things that you want to accomplish throughout the course of the year, two years, five years, whatever, however far out you're able to plan. Got it. So we talked very briefly, or we mentioned the topic of team building. Do you have like a top tip or something like your favorite kind of team building activity that you would like to share? Uh, there's one team building activity that I, I really enjoy um, where we kind of bring the team together and we say, this is a kind of a, a make-believe session, but we're just going to play a game here. And You know, the owner or executives will be there, but they're not really allowed to say anything. And uh, it's, okay, so so-and-so, your boss today has decided that they want to close this company down over the next 30 to 60 days. What are the things that we need in order to, to do that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people laugh and a little, little nervous about it, but then they actually start saying, well, we need to not answer the phone, not pay bills on time, you know, going from the ridiculous to things that are actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we identify, you know, which are the real threats, what's currently being done, and then... Uh, you know, which what's just the nonsense that we can just set aside. And then I flip it, and when I, we go through an exercise that's uh, called identifying the ideal traits and characteristics of the com- of a company, mm-hmm. of an owner, of a client or customer, and of a team member. And within about 90 to uh, 120 minutes, 
we can pretty much get a lot of buy-in and excitement about the company that we're going to now create uh, or continue to create and build upon. And it's done because you're asking the team for their buy-in and their input. Mm, nice. And I think that's, the, you know, that's, that's, that's critical to right. it. Right. But yeah, we do all kinds of workshops. We do workshops on time management, um, you know, organizational change, all, all types of things like that. I think the first team, the first thing about building team is making sure that as you're hiring and building your team, you're hiring for attitudes and behaviors, and not specifically for skill set. Ah, oh, so true. Right. Yeah. And and if if you do that, and if you have an HR procedure in place that allows you to run an ad correctly, interview correctly, assess the talent before you bring them on board, then onboard them correctly and be very clear as to the attitude and behaviors you're looking for. Um, you know, that's, that those are the first steps in, in building a team because now you've got something that has been vetted and brought upon with real intention or intentionality. Right, right. Awesome. I thought for sure you were going to throw a trust fall in there at some point, but no trust fall. <laughs> well, you know, we we can go repelling and we can, you know, we can go bungee cord and do all those things, but uh, and there's a time and a place for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. If there's anyone that's listening to the podcast and they want to circle back and just tap into your genius, what's the best way for people to reach you? Um, my email address is jeff at jmconsultingalliance.com. Uh, drop me an email. And I'm sort of old-fashioned, so I prefer a phone call, and that would be 703-963-6034. But either way, I'd be happy to speak to anybody uh, who might be interested in chatting. Awesome. Well, you're old-fashioned but young at heart, and I love you for it. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. It has been awesome <laughs> chatting you too, with Kelly. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of the Boost Podcast. A payroll and HR company needs to be prepared for whatever is going to happen. You could say that over 70 years of experience helping businesses all over the world run smoothly is good preparation. But for ADP, that's not enough. To make sure millions of people are getting paid on time and in compliance, we're staying on top of each new piece of legislation. So when it comes down to it, ADP isn't just a payroll and HR company. We're the company that helps you navigate the complexities. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. Our goals aren't as out of reach as we once thought because things are coming back. And if there's anything we've learned, it's that there's no time like the present. At U.S. Bank, we take the time to understand you, to help get you to where you really want to be by getting to the root of any financial obstacle so you can move forward because side by side, there's no telling how far you'll go. U.S. Bank, we'll get there together. 
Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.